Welcome to the Vineyard Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at vkcwest.com. So wisdom, 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 wisdom. That's what we're talking about for the next seven weeks. And uh, wisdom is kind of something that a lot of times is, is misunderstood. Uh, it's, uh, I think people, you know, either overemphasize it, like it's this thing that only certain people can have. Uh, like it, uh, you have to be intelligent to really have it, uh, like super intelligent, uh, or it's something that people just don't care about. It's like, eh, not a big deal. I'm fine. It's kind of the way I've done things. And so as, as we approach it, we need to think through uh, the will of God because the will of God and wisdom go hand in hand. Uh, because most of us would say that we want to have the will of God in our lives. And the will of God would be like a good life. Uh, it would be a life that's full of meaning. It would be a life that we have good relationships with others. It's a life that we feel fulfilled, that we know God and, and walk with him. But there's a, there's a part that we have in that. We know that God wants that for us. But the part that we have in that is consistency with the will of God. So in other words, that we would partner and participate with God's will in our lives. The problem with that is, is that God's ways are different than our ways. Isaiah 55 verse 8 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. So if we want the will of God, we've got to get the wisdom of God. Very simply, if we want to be consistent to partner and participate with God's will in our lives and the life that he has for us, we need to have wisdom. Uh, scripture lays it out just uh, fully for us. And yet a lot of times it's, it's just glossed over. So um, one person has said that uh, we live in an age that is information rich, yet wisdom poor. And so that's a major barrier for us in the time and place that we live is, is that we're in the information age. We have so much information or knowledge of things versus knowing because there's a difference. There's a difference between having information and having knowledge of something and actually knowing. And so that's a major barrier for us because uh, if we just have information or knowledge of, we're kind of like, think of like a, a new walking toddler, right? What, what, is, what do all the adults do with a new walking toddler? You, you move the furniture, you, you move it away, you, whoa, you're okay, and, and you kind of, you make sure that they're, you know, bundled up and they can't get hurt and everything else. Why? Because they know how to walk enough to be dangerous. And, and that describes us as human beings. Uh, writer and professor Isaac Amoff uh, raised this issue this way. He says, suppose that we are wise enough to control our learning and knowledge so that we use it to destroy ourselves. Kind of describes a lot of what we see on the macro level and then also in our own lives, I think a lot of times, is that we just have enough, okay, I got it. I've got this life thing figured out. Like we have three teenagers that we've taught to drive in the last several years. And it, it, it's, it's pretty interesting, you know? Um, when we moved here, it was strange because, uh, you know, you can start driving at 14 here for, I mean, normal for you guys, but in California, where we came from, it's just, you know, you don't let anybody touch anything until 16, you know, so. But when somebody thinks they know how to drive, it's kind of like, this is a, this is a, a, a ton in weight vehicle and it can do much damage, 
You know, and, and no, I got it, no problem. Well, there's some, kind of some other things you need to learn. And so think about your life today. Your life is um, the result of you walking in wisdom or not. Like every aspect of your life today, if you were to take responsibility and I was to take responsibility, is the result of applying wisdom or not applying wisdom. The actual state of everything, you know, whether finances or personal health or you know, those things, for the most part, I know there's, there's outliers. So I know those yeah buts. And some of them are not our choice and things that happen to us. But in general, the majority of things in our lives are because whether we applied wisdom or not. And so over this next seven weeks, like what if we got freed up? Like, what if, what if we got life back? Like the life that God designed us for. And that, and that we really started to walk in that more. And it comes through wisdom. Um, because I, I hit on something real briefly, but uh, there's this idea with wisdom that you have to be intelligent. You know? In, in other words, you have to be like uber intelligent, like, you know, super bright to really have wisdom. What we're going to find out and see is, is that God gives wisdom and anybody can have it, regardless of your actual intelligence or IQ. It's something that God gives. And so what if over this next seven weeks, some of the chains that we've put on ourselves or others have put on ourselves in our lives would break off? We're going to talk through relationships. We're going to talk through words that we use. We're going to talk through sexual integrity. We're going to talk through um, all sorts of different areas of our lives that we actually deal with every day. But God actually speaks to, and he shows us a different way to live. So our theme verse for the series is Proverbs 4, verse 7. And it says this. It says, the beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. Though it cost all you have, get understanding. And so let's pray for that real quick. Let's lean into that and ask God to speak and work in our lives over the next several weeks. Lord, we, um, we recognize our need for wisdom outside of ourselves for our lives. And so we bring you our lives, our relationships, um, the way that we live, and we ask that you would move over the next seven weeks, God. We ask that you would replace thinking and decision-making, God, that we've developed on our own that, have, that is stolen from us and others have spoken into us that is stolen from us, that we might have your way, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so Proverbs. Uh, the book of Proverbs is in the Old Testament. That's primarily where we're going to camp out for the next seven weeks. Uh, I first learned of Proverbs when I was a teenager, and somebody told me, hey, you need to get wisdom. And so they said, there's 31 chapters in Proverbs. And so read on the first day of the month, read Proverbs chapter one, and then all the way through every month. And most years... Uh, for the past 30 plus years of, of walking with Jesus, that's what I've done. And what I started to notice is that in certain situations, I had knowledge and understanding and insight that was more than my experience or my intelligence. 
And what I recognized was it, it was that it was that time of learning about the way that God had made things to be. And the Holy Spirit would remind me of different things that I had understanding. And so it's a powerful thing. And so we're actually going to walk through that starting on the 1st of February. We will read for 31 days as a church, like chapter of the day. We'll, it's a little messed up because it's February, but we'll go into March 3rd. And, and so hopefully we can all make that mind shift, you know. Uh, we'll go into March 3rd and, and read during that time. So Proverbs is a big part of it. But King Solomon, who is the son of David, uh, he wrote the majority of the book of Proverbs. And he tells us in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1 through 7, what the book is for. So in verse 1, it says, The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction and prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning get guidance. For understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So verses one through four, we see the purpose, the purpose of the proverbs in the life of a person. And it speaks to every person that's ever lived. And then in verse five through six, we see the course and the content of proverb or wisdom in these proverbs, which at uh, best it happens in community, right? It, so it says, if, if you want this, if you need this, ask somebody to help you understand. So similar to what we're doing, but I'd encourage you to hop into a group or start a group. You have everything you need in the paper in your bulletin. It actually has for each week what you will walk through. So you could take that and you could, uh, you know, at the lunchroom at work, you could sit down with somebody and say, hey, for the next seven weeks, you want to walk through this. Uh, we're talking about wisdom. You could do it with a neighbor or a friend uh, or hop into one of the groups that we've started. I encourage you to do that. Um, verse seven gives us the start here. So what does it say? It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge or wisdom and understanding. The fear of the Lord. So in other words, recognizing who God is and then recognizing who we are and having a rightful respect for him and his creation and what he's done. Putting ourselves in that place of understanding, Lord, you are God and I, I need what you have. That's the beginning of all of it. And so there's also the description of those that reject wisdom and instruction verse seven, it says, um, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. I can think of many times in my life where um, I've found this true. And, you know, from my parents telling me things or my brother or my, my friend's parents, and you know, we'd go out and, hey, do this or think about this. Or, and then all of a sudden we're like, how'd they know? How'd they know we were going to make stupid decisions tonight or that sort of thing? And so, but fools reject it, right? I mean, it's, it's, the, um, it's the person that, uh, you know, it says, don't walk on the grass, you know, or you go hiking. It says, this area is during reclamation. You know, don't walk here. And what does everybody want to do? Well, I'm going to walk there. I can do that. I can hike through there or I can touch that. And so scripture says that that's the fool. In other words, there's very a clear statement. I remember during uh, Hurricane Katrina, 2005, and uh, 
if I remember correctly, uh, there was actually a street sign during some of the uh, filming and pictures that I saw. And, um, you know, part of the problem in New Orleans with the flooding that they had was that uh, they had water up here and streets and businesses and people living down here. You know, and so if the levees went over, so, and there was actually a sign on one of the streets and the street said wisdom. You know, and there's a verse that says that wisdom, you know, cries out from the streets. And I thought about that. Hmm. And isn't that true in our lives that most of the times that we've made good decisions, it's like, wow, that's really true. Or the times we've made bad decisions, it's like, that's really true. And so Solomon Let's read his, uh, his story where he started to walk in this journey of wisdom. Uh, he has become king. Uh, it wasn't easy. Uh, you can read it in 1 Kings chapter 1 through 3 and how it all happened in other places. Uh, but he is now king. And so God comes to him in verse 5 of chapter 3 of 1 Kings. And it says that Gibeon, the Lord, appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream And God said, ask for whatever you want me to give you. Solomon answered, you have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Now, Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father, David, But I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, since you have asked for this and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment in administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never be anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings." And if you walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and commands as David, your father did, I will give you a long life. Then Solomon awoke and he realized it had been a dream. He returned to Jerusalem, stood before the ark of the Lord's covenant and sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. Then he gave a feast for all his court. So quite a story. You know, I mean, God comes to you today. You're sitting around. If you're Chiefs fan, just basking in the victory of yesterday although it was ugly, you know. Well, anybody else yelling at them? Like, no, keep Mahomes out, put Henny in, what are you doing? Anybody else? No? Okay. Um, you know, this afternoon, you're just doing that. Maybe you take a little nap, wake up, watch some of the other games. And, but in the midst of that, God comes to you and says, hey, John, Steve, Matt, I will give you whatever you want what do you want? You get one request because God isn't a genie. Although we think he is sometimes that if I just ask him right, or I get three wishes, if he would just do, but in this instance, he says, what do you want me to do for you? And Solomon prioritizes wisdom. God, this is what I need. How does he do that? 
Well, he recognized that God had placed him as king. And that's not a brilliant statement by any means, but it's something that he did that we have to do. He recognized that God had made him king over these great people. So he he took note of his life. What has God done with you? Like, what has he placed you over? What has he trusted with you? What has he given you? That you look at today and he's given you certain gifts and talents and abilities and he's, he's put important people in your life that they're important to you that you're to care for and, and watch over and, and he's given you certain leadership. And, and so you look at that and you say, this is what God has given me. So the first step is to recognize what is it that God has given me in this life? And there's not one person that it's insignificant that they would look and say, well, my life is not really big. I'm not a king or anything, but aren't you? I mean, from the very beginning, God set the first man and woman in the garden. He says, you know, rule over creation, tend the garden, work it. And so that's our lot, that we all do that in our life, that we have a certain amount of things that we're responsible for. And so recognize what God has given you and placed you over. And then the next thing is he's self-aware of his own abilities and sees that they're deficient for his role as king. So he looks and he says, I do not have everything needed for this task. And hopefully most of us, if we were all of a sudden put in the place of king or queen, that we we would say this. But the question is, is will we say that in our own lives? You know, like, like, will we really do that with our own lives and recognize, you know what, God, this thing, these people is too much for me. Like, I don't have what's needed for this in my life. It reminds me of... Um, one of my sons, I've told this before, but it's just so good. Um, he's a great driver now, but the first time he drove one of our cars, it was right out here. Uh, coming in, I stopped at the mailbox and, and he said, hey, dad, I think I can drive. It's coming up pretty soon. Can, we, you know, can I just drive through the driveway? I'm like, sure. And so, all right, set him in the seat and, you know, and just like, I can do this. And I got what it takes. And so set him there, set the seat, you know, radio's off. We're focused right now thing. Okay. All right. What I want you to do is I want you to keep your foot on the brake, put it into drive, and then just slowly press the pedal. And so the proper way would be this is that, yeah, as you're pressing the pedal, but he did this. You know, and, and, he, and I'm like, no, no, don't leave. But he's looking for the pedal. Make sure the pedal, right? So the most important thing is the pedal. And, you know, there's this little burn up here. We're up on the burn over here and like pull it back over here. And so isn't that kind of like our lives? But after he took some instruction and went, you know, driving with an instructor and all those things, now he's a great driver. And I, I even drive with him again. But would we do that with our own lives? No matter how little responsibility you feel like you've been trusted with, would you do that with your own life to be able to say, God, I need your help? 
Like this is too much for me. And then what Solomon does is he decides that what was most important, uh, he decides what was most important in his role, which was God and God's people. He's like, hey, these people, wow, this is what you've given me. And that's really the, the heart of wisdom, because if there wasn't any other people, you wouldn't need as much wisdom. Because wisdom has to do with relationships with God and with other people. And then it says that he asked for a discerning heart that was really rooted in justice, God tells us. 1 Kings 4.29, a little bit later, it says that God gave Solomon wisdom. So here's the problem. We weren't born with wisdom. Like the wisdom needed to live this life. Actually, no human being has ever been born with wisdom. Adam and Eve were born without sin, but they were not born with a fullness of wisdom. They were actually supposed to operate and learn and receive wisdom from God the same way that we are. They had less barriers in the beginning. But the turning point of all humanity was what? Is that they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And what changed is that they referenced their own knowledge of good and evil and wisdom instead of God's wisdom. And so they were as life went on, they were supposed to reference God. God, what do we need? God, will you provide for me? So, so that's the same thing that we're in. So which shows that every person that's alive can actually receive wisdom from God. Uh, and so it's something that we're to ask for. So how do you get wisdom? You ask for it. So James, the brother of Jesus, affirms that asking is the way to wisdom. He says, he says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God and he will give it just abundantly and liberally to you. He, he loves to give it to you. He loves to give wisdom and just pour it out upon you. But a lot of times we don't ask. It was like, I'm good. And uh, as I was looking at this, it, it reminded me of when we were in elementary school, my brother was maybe like second or third grade or something like that. And, um, maybe a little bit older, but my dad was teaching him science. And so uh, he was trying to teach him what the body does with oxygen. And so the oxygen uses, I mean, the body uses oxygen for energy, right? And so my brother just couldn't get this point down. So there's this moment in my childhood where, you know, and my dad is a, a Marine Corps officer, you know, cowboy, roper, bull rider, construction, uh, you know, scholar, you know, and, and he's just, but he's, 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 he's intense. And so my brother is sitting there at our table and I'm just sitting there chuckling, you know, cause I don't have homework and I'm just laughing at this scene, but it's over and over in green of mind. So what does the body do with oxygen? I don't know. It uses it, you know, just over and over again for like half an hour. It uses it. And I am cracking up. And, and my dad's like, you stop. And my brother's like, I'm going to get you. And, but so what does the body do with oxygen? It uses it. But how do you get wisdom? You ask for it. How do you get wisdom? You ask for it. And anyone can ask for anything. But that's how God set it up in our lives. Um, but those of you that have maybe studied Solomon or studied the Bible some, you may ask yourself, well, what happened to Solomon then? because you can read the book of Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament. You can look at the life of Solomon. Solomon got off track. 
And so the problem is, is that wisdom is not a good or service that we just kind of acquire and we use. It's personal. And we leak wisdom if we detach it from the person of God. Because remember, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. And so wisdom is personal. And so it's uniquely tied to the person of Jesus. Um, In the wisdom literature in the Old Testament, which is Ecclesiastes, Job, Proverbs, some Psalms, uh, it speaks of a um, human-derived knowledge or wisdom. And it basically says that it all always ultimately will lead to disaster, right? In one proverb, you know, there's a way that seems right. Proverbs, it's Proverbs 16. There's a way that seems right to man, but in its end, it leads to death. You know, that even though this seems so right, it leads to that place. And something to think about it is that wisdom is not like street knowledge or business acumen or just like, yeah, oh, I got knowledge. I got it. Because a lot of times the wisdom of God goes against the wisdom of the world. The wisdom of God goes against things. And, you know, we can live our whole lives like just like hemmed in by this world of what it thinks is healthy or what it thinks is good or what it thinks. I mean, how many times have you heard like, well, coffee's good for you. Coffee's bad for you. Chocolate's good for you. Chocolate's bad for you. Meat's good for you. Meat's bad for you. Do you see information in the different people that are sharing it? Who knows what their motives are? But then there's the wisdom of God, which God actually speaks to somebody. You know, I mean, you can look at your marriage today. You can look at your relationship with your kids, your relationship with your parents or your friendships today. And you can say to yourself, well, where do you get the playbook on how to do that? Because There's ones out there that don't necessarily lead to life or goodness or health. Um, One person wrote this. They said, wisdom is not uh, street smarts or being shrewd or big business acumen. I I talked about that, but it says, wisdom characterizes the discerning heart that is both morally righteous and practically smart. So in that encouraging, this view that, that wisdom is actually something that makes things good in relationships, but also affects things in the quality of my life, my decision-making. And so God's divine wisdom is only given by God, and um, it's of infinite value. As you read Proverbs coming up in the, in the weeks ahead, over and over again, you'll see this statement that it says, get wisdom, sell all you have to get her. Wisdom is more valuable than rubies or silver or gold. Out of all things, get wisdom. And we see that in Solomon's life. So what happened with Solomon is that he got wisdom, but he detached from God. And so he leaked. In Ecclesiastes, he actually says, like, he says, I kept my wisdom, but I ended up doing everything that was in my heart and I wanted to do. And I just, if I wanted it, I took it. And he and also the substance of the people that he led suffered because of that. You see, human wisdom, unfortunately, although the saying seems good, and I understand the heart behind it, but just do what's in your heart. Just go get what you want. Unfortunately, while that sounds like warm and fuzzy and like, yes, that's man's wisdom that leads many times to destruction. 
You know, I used to do all kinds of stuff as a teenager. Um, one of the things I used to do is um, I disobeyed like parking signs, no parking. I had hundreds, possibly thousands of dollars in parking tickets. Just, I mean, I, I, in, in what's worse is I, would fi- I had a file system for them. Just put them in the console of my 1982 Camaro. Just put them in there. And then finally, there was a warrant out for my arrest because I didn't pay them. And then I got a speeding ticket and I didn't, you know, and, and so um, aren't you glad I worked all this out earlier? So, um, but, but so I, I just thought that, you know, I, but that literally that's what it was because there was this place that we would hang out at the beach and, and my friends and there was no parking. And so I said, well, I, I want to park here. I don't want to go walk all the way. I'm just going to park here. So I, I'm doing what's in my heart. You know, this feels good. This is what I want to do. And yet it, 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 it costs us in life. And so um, only God, per, you know, really embodies perfect wisdom. He just always just has it. We can leak, but we need it and we get it over and over from him. So ultimately wisdom is personified and found in Jesus So 1 Corinthians 1, verse 24 through 25, it says, but to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, for the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. You know, maybe you're a a business person today, maybe you're CEO, maybe you're a salesperson, maybe you're a teacher, um, maybe you're just a, a business owner, you have a local business, maybe you're... Uh, a construction worker, maybe you have a trade, uh, you know, maybe uh, you're a recruiter, maybe you're an accountant, I don't know. Um, but w- what if over the next seven weeks, you, you learn to have God's wisdom in what you do? Those verses say that your best isn't even close to his weak- weakest. You know, and, and maybe you're married today or, or you have relationships or friendships or you have a boyfriend or girlfriend or maybe you want to be married or, uh, you know, and you look at those relationships and what if God's wisdom was infused into those relationships over the next seven weeks? You know, maybe, you're, maybe you know, you're a part of a family, siblings or, or parent, you're a parent. You know, what if God's wisdom was infused into that? We all, you know, uh, God created us as as sexual people. And so we're going to look at sexual integrity in a few weeks. You know, what if God's wisdom was infused, infused into our sexual desires instead of the wisdom of the world? What about God's way, the one that actually created it? We all speak. What if the wisdom of God was infused into our words over the next several weeks? So how can we take this home today? Well, 1 Kings 3, 9, 4, 29, James 1, 5 says, how do you get wisdom? You ask for it. And so it's something that we're to do over and over and over again. God, would you give me wisdom? And the anatomy of asking is interesting because when you ask somebody for something, you recognize that you don't have it. You recognize that the person that you're asking has it and that they're willing to give it. God has said over and over again, I will give you wisdom. And he gives it liberally to all those that will ask. 
And then, you know, join or start a group or gather with other people and make this a focus of your life over the next several weeks. Um, I talked at the beginning about like maybe the life that we've lost because of our choices, because of acting in different wisdom. And uh, listen to this uh, from T.S. Eliot. Uh, He talks a little bit about knowledge and wisdom um, in his uh, writing, The Rock. Uh, He says, all our knowledge brings us nearer to our ignorance. All our ignorance brings us nearer to death, but nearness to death, no nearer to God. But listen to this. He asks a question at, at, at the end of that, and he says, where is the life we have lost in living? Think about that. I mean, where is the life that God created that's been lost in living by our choices, by other people's choices? I mean, uh, Mr. Rogers, he, he had a quote. He, said, he says, you know, life is simple and deep, but the world makes it complicated and hard, or complicated and shallow. I mean, it's not rocket science to have a good life. Your life, seven weeks from now, 40 days from now, can be radically different. Every area, if you invite God's wisdom into there. And so, what would it look like being freed up? How would it be? You know? And I know it's hard because sometimes... uh, like the dysfunction and the unhealth in our lives is a comfort because we know it. And then, and then change or health is, is uncomfortable because we we say, well, I've tried that before. I, you know, I, I can't do that. Or, or, um, you know, some people we get more comfortable being unsuccessful than successful. Because the idea of actually being successful at something or actually, you know, um, being good at something, that just seems too much pressure. And so we relegate ourselves to a certain place. And we, we handle and we steward this life where we just kind of just settle for that. I did that for, for 10 years of my life from my late adolescent in my early 20s. And I met Jesus right smack dab in the middle of that. And so he started working this out. But I call it the dark decade. You know, when I think really romantically about my life, the dark decade. But I just saw over and over again, just being more and more comfortable with just, just base level, base level, lower level, lower level. I don't ever ask me like what I, um, like in my class for high school, what I ranked. Please don't. Because I just said to myself, so I, just need to, I just need to get enough grades to, to play sports, to be eligible. You know, in the last several days of high school, my friends thought something was wrong with me because I was walking around with a calculator calculating the minimum score that I could get to graduate. Everything was just low level to just be comfort, to protect this thing. But freedom and wisdom comes. I mean, you ever think about that? Your life is not your own. Like, God's given your life to you. I saw this saying recently. It says, it says that, um, I'm probably going to butcher it if somebody knows this, but it says, it says that, uh, you know, your life is God's gift to you. What you do with it is your gift back to him. 
You know, what are you going to do with this life? Will you incorporate wisdom in it, into your life? But it comes through Jesus. The New Testament actually says that Jesus is actually, in 1 Corinthians 1.30, it says, it is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. And so all of this comes through him. Because you may be saying to yourself, well, hey, it sounds like anybody can do this. But remember, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Beginning of knowledge is the fear of the Lord. And so it starts through the person of Jesus. But then the Holy Spirit walking it out and applying it into your life. And so let's pray together and let's worship. Lord, thank you for um, this day. Thank you for your word that you... Show us what you have available for us, Lord, that you're, you're wanting to pour out so much to us, Lord. And yet we bring you our hearts, God. Um, and God, I ask that you'd restore um, life to us, Lord. Um, and yeah, and just while we're praying, you know, just take a posture of prayer. Um, uh, some of you, you know it. You know it. You know that, that God gave you this this thing, this life, and, um, and, and you look, and, and as far as stewarding it, you're just like, yeah, I, I, I've played it so safe, or I've been so hurt, and so I just protect, or I operate in fear all the time, or I'm just trying to get through this thing, and it's just a surviving, and, and it's, there's nowhere near uh, thriving. It's nowhere near where there's life, and and so, yeah, Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would just breathe into the sails of these people, into the life of these people, God. And that life would come. And renewing would come. God, I pray that over today and over the next several weeks that chains would fall off our lives, Lord. Yeah, and for, for some of you today, the Lord says he, he, that, that you're going to dream again. Instead of just accepting and just having, the, like the Lord says, I want you to dream again. I want you to bring your imagination to me and dream again what we can do together. Yeah, and just as we go to worship, would you practice what we see scripture tell us to do, which is to ask. And so just right now in your heart, just ask him. Say, God, would you give me wisdom? Thanks for listening this week. If you are looking for ways to serve, give, or get connected, go to vkcwest.com.